let us bow our heads for our prayer of illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson today comes from Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, and then to 21 and 26. In those days, Peter stood among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120 people and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to the resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph called Bersabus, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry in the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles." I would guess that almost everyone has a story of coming in second. For one person, it might be not being chosen for a team that they really wanted to be on or passed up maybe for a promotion at work. For another, it might not be being chosen for a school project or not getting asked to the prom. For me, it was always coming in second in any of our neighborhood games that we played when we were kids. I grew up in a fabulous neighborhood loaded with kids and lots of freedom. We were outside from dawn till dark and many times there till after dark, playing kickball, baseball, football, hide and seek, you name it. We rode our bikes all over the place, boys and girls of all ages. 
But I was an awkward child. I wasn't real fast. I wasn't quick. I had really poor hand-to-eye coordination. And maybe, if I'm honest with myself, I was probably a bit goofy. I know that's maybe hard for you to believe. I don't ever remember getting picked first for a team. Now, my best friend, Hal, he was the neighborhood athlete. He always got picked first. Even when the older kids in the neighborhood did the picking, Hal was picked first because he was the best. I wanted to be like Hal, blonde-headed, fast on his feet, quick and sure with his hands. He could play any sport really well, but I was second. Well, believe it or not, Hal and I are still friends, and I have no hard feelings toward him after always being picked first. But it does pain me sometimes as I dwell on it and think about it, as I'm sure it does many of you, when you're passed over, when something happens and your worth is not felt or your contribution not accepted. Now, most of the stories we share about these defeats or shortcomings tend to come from a long time ago, a safe distance for which us to be safe and vulnerable. And yet I wonder if all of our memories of coming in second and the feelings that go with that are in that distance path. Or is it that our more recent adult experiences of coming in second still are simply just too painful for us to name? Or we have conveniently deluded ourselves that there was a different reason things came out the way they did. In our New Testament reading today, Joseph called Bersabus, who was also known as Justice, is not a well-known character of the Bible. And there's a reason for that. He was the disciple who came in second when it came to replacing Judas, the betrayer. With all this talk of elections and polls going on lately, and who's in first place and who's in second place, I could not help but wonder the consequences of this ancient election. How did justice handle not being the chosen one for such an important task? He had given much, even risked his life to be one of the followers of Jesus. And in the blink of an eye, he was passed over and another was selected. What did he do with his life after not making that cut? I'm sure we can all feel the disappointment that he felt when the name Matthias was called. In researching this little-known biblical character, I found out some interesting things about his life. I learned that Justice had been a follower of Jesus from the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry. When Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, Justice was there. Justice had continued as a member of a larger company of Jesus' followers, even right up to his arrest and crucifixion. Being in this group from the beginning was one of the qualifications that led the other disciples to put him in the mix for replacing Judas. But it was not his lot to take Judas's place. That fell to Matthias. 
In Christian tradition, after being passed over by Matthias, Justus stayed with the movement, and like the others, they scattered from Jerusalem and landed in all sorts of places. Justus ended up in a city about 30 miles south of Jerusalem where he helped establish a, false smell, a, a small fellowship of believers, and that fellowship grew. Justus would eventually become the leader of this group of Christians and the Christian church as it grew itself and put structure and organization around itself. He became bishop of that territory. I tell you this to note that this was not just some random dusty town in the desert, but it was a very important city at the time. It was a thriving Roman colony, that, the administrative hub of that region, in which the one who came in second became their bishop. That the person who walked away with the most coveted position snatched from under them became an important figure in the faith life of a major city really an entire region, to share the gospel of Christ. It was learning all of this about justice that started me thinking about what it means to come in second sometimes. And I wonder how often does coming in sec second for one thing free us up for something else that is far more important. Maybe the idea that life is not about being first, second, or third we know that in God's kingdom, we are chosen. No one is left off God's team. Maybe this is about how pivotal events that seem to bring disappointment to us are actually freeing for us to help us explore other options. And so today, I simply want to plant this seed for you. Being chosen second can hurt our ego in the immediate but if we can stay on the journey, stay focused on the real purpose of life, sometimes not being chosen first can lead to an invitation. It can free us to see other possibilities and help us enter into new experiences. Not being chosen first can be our invitation to ask a question, if not this, then what? Most of the time, the spiritual journey is not about being freed from something, but rather being freed for something. It is about transcending and redeeming what can seem to be a disappointing moment in life into a pivotal moment of freedom and abundant living. So what gave this guy who came in second the courage, the fortitude to keep going to become a bishop of a large city he could have just walked away, disgusted for not being chosen by his friends. He could have given up. He could have thrown in the towel and gone back to his safe and ordinary everyday life. What kept him going? Well, I might, it might have something to do with one of his names, Barsabas, which means son of Saba, which if you translate that means son of the restitution, or maybe as the Hebrews might say, he was son of the Sabbath. Justice was known as the son of the Sabbath. Justice at his core was a person of Sabbath, a person who lived restoration, rebirth, new beginnings. He was not locked into a rigid lifestyle that didn't allow for freedom, new experiences, 
or a new way of looking at life in ministry. Justice understood that God had another calling for his life, and he kept going, doing God's work for the building up of God's kingdom. He did not let what had to have been a major blow to his ego send him down a path of stumbling blocks and misfortune. Justice did not let his coming in second interfere in his drive to continue the work of God and the building of God's kingdom, even in the face of disappointment. My charge to myself and to each and every one of you is be like justice. We all are called to some form of leadership, some form of activity in God's kingdom. Now that leadership may look differently between each and every one of us, but that's something we need to talk to God about. But the important thing is that we spend some quality time in that conversation with God. God will lead us to that position of leadership, that moment of ministry. Transitioning ourselves from first or second or third to a person who is making a difference for Christ and putting Christ first in our life. That lifestyle could look like so many things. So many of you are already deeply engaged in the work and mission of the church. But for those of you that might be floundering or wondering or looking for a new direction, I want to just offer a couple of examples where you might reignite that faith and be a person that God is calling you to be, to put yourself second and humble yourself before God. Now, first of all, you have maybe heard and seen uh, in the church's material that we, one of our local mission partners is the Florence Crittenden Home. Uh, through the use of the Challenge Fund grant that we had earlier uh, this year at the church, uh, Mount Pleasant Presbyterian has partnered with Florence Crittenden to provide life skills workshops for the residents of the Florence Crittenden home for pregnant and parenting teens and girls in foster care. The purpose of these workshops is to prepare these residents for life on their own. Our partnership will specifically focus on personal financial management, helping residents understand basic financial management and principles establishing financial goals, and addressing any concerns they have about money and financial security. We're looking for a few people to volunteer who will be willing to commit one to two hours every other week to lead a group session and work one-on-one in small groups with residents in these activities. You don't have to understand all that. They'll give you the curriculum. Uh, There's no specific skills needed. Uh, Florence Crittenden has developed this curriculum to be a guide for the volunteers and for the people receiving the lesson. They will also follow safe distancing and safe protocols so you can be feel safe. The other thing I'd like to tell you about is you saw a video at the beginning of the service is sponsoring an international student. Most of our international partners sponsor students. Education in a third world country is not guaranteed. Many of the public school systems are broken. And we have an opportunity to support a student. Most of these agencies charge about $35 a month for a student to go to school to have a medical care and a, maybe a hot meal each day, a uniform. Um, if you think about it, $35 a month is about what a family of four would spend for one meal at a fast casual restaurant. 
With that amount of money each month, you could be the difference maker in the life of a child. Our family personally sponsors a child in Haiti uh, because we travel to Haiti and they're a mission partner of ours. We have met that child. His name is Sendley. Um, and uh, he's a great kid, and we love going down there. And with all of our partners, you would be able to either send things directly uh, through our trips or um, go with us on a trip and meet your child. I wrote an article in the Pelican this month about it. You can click on that if you want some more information. Also, at the end of the worship bulletin for the 10 o'clock online service, um, at the end of that bulletin are also a listing of our mission partners and how to sponsor a child. And there are many, many ways in which the church ministers to this community and the world. Many of you are plugged into that already, and I appreciate that. I know we are truly a missional church, and we follow that mission around the world. But I hope these opportunities will help you transition yourself if you're struggling in that. Certainly, if you need some help discerning what God is placing on you and on your heart, Reach out to the ministry team here at the church. We'd love to be with you and talk to you about that. You know, it's really not hard. It's actually pretty easy to do what God calls you to do. It's much harder to resist it. Just look at justice. Look what he did. Let him show you the way and let you see how he does his life and how he lived his life for Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.